Welcome to the Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, and less ukulele. In this episode, it's the Feast of St. Nicholas, and you've survived Krampusnacht. Don't you deserve a beer to keep warm? We're looking at the two variations of Falcon's Claws that are floating out there, and what drove the design decisions behind them. But first, a message from our sponsors. The next generation of countertop home distillation systems is here. The all-new Airstill Pro from Still Spirits is a revolutionary still that will look right at home alongside your everyday kitchen appliances. This small-batch two-in-one distillation system operates in either pot still or reflex mode and allows you to craft high-quality light and dark spirits at home. No hoses, no complicated assembly, just plug-and-play. The Airstill Pro calm cools itself with a built-in high-powered fan. The Still Spirits Airstill Pro is available now at your favorite homebrew retailer. Learn more about the Airstill Pro at stillspirits.com or check them out on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. This episode is brought to you by the American Homebrewers Association. Join the American Homebrewers Association in November and claim an out-of-this-world offer. Use the discount code 5STAR, F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R, to receive a free 32-ounce bottle of IO Star sanitizer when you purchase a one-year membership. Get your free IO Star with the promo code 5STAR and find holiday inspiration for great gifts, craft beer recipes, beer and food pairing suggestions, and much more by visiting homebrewersassociation.org slash experimental today. Hurry, this offer won't last. Get the details at homebrewersassociation.org slash experimental. All right, and welcome back to the show. Remember, if you talk to any of our sponsors, tell them that you heard about them here so that they know they're spending their money mostly wisely. Um, as we said in the intro to the show, happy Swiss Christmas. <laughs> this is coming out around about the Swiss Christmas time. But we've talked about the Falcon's Claws recipe that I've done, uh, a.k.a. my clone of Sammy Claws in the past. And uh, we're coming back to this to talk about it a little bit more because I've had some questions that popped up recently. And most of the questions have popped up from people who want to brew this. I had a discussion with Chip Walton over there in Northern Brewer and Chop and Brew about this the other day with his club because they're about to do this. There's a real problem out there on the internet because, you know, once you put something on the internet, you, the internet never forgets. And so this recipe has gone through multiple iterations over time. If you go to the American Homebrewers Association uh, website, they have one recipe for it. And if you come to our site on Experimental Brewing, we have another one. So which should you choose? And The other one. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. The other left. <laughs> so let's walk these through. Denny, you have in front of you both the Sammy Claus recipes. I'll give people just the, the backstory real quick. Uh, Sammy Claus was the world's strongest beer for a long time. It's still, I think, the world's strongest lager. Comes in at like 14 plus percent alcohol. So it's a real, you know, session beer. 
a real session of one. When I was coming up as a beer nerd, this was one of those beers that you had to try. It was one of the world classics. If you wanted to be a well-rounded beer person, you had to know this beer. Uh, you remember that attitude, Dan? Oh, definitely so, man. Uh, this is this is one of the beers that was just absolutely legendary when I first started homebrewing 26 years ago. Yep. And the reason why I said Happy Swiss Christmas was originally it was always brewed on uh, Swiss Christmas, which is like December 6th. And then the previous year's version that had been brewed was released that day as well. So brew one, release the other. As with a lot of things in the beer world, uh, Herlemann, which was the brewery that created Santa Claus, stopped brewing it. And the beer community went, no, my beer, as the beer community does. So the Falcons, uh, I was still a relatively new member at this time when that happened. The Falcons got together and said, well, you know what? We're homebrewers. We'll make our own version because that's what you do. <laughs> and the this beer, you know, the original recipe for this was, I mean, let's face it, it's a challenge because you're trying to brew a beer that comes in at around 1140-ish. You know, somewhere somewhere between like 1125 and 1140-ish. So it's a big monster of a beer that's a real giant pain to took us. And at the time, in 2000, when we were doing this, there wasn't sort of the big plethora of choice. And there wasn't a lot of – how do I want to put this and not seem insulting to my past self? Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of real conscious thought about what we did in terms of our <laughs> recipes. Let's put it that way. So if you go and you look at the original recipe, which is currently housed on the AHA website, homebrewersassociation.org, you can see it's a massive blend of malts in here. So uh, for a five-gallon batch, so keep this in your mind as I'm telling you these numbers, and you'll realize how ridiculous this is. Uh, for a five-gallon batch, it used 28 and three-quarter pounds of Weyermann Pilsner malt, so a German Pilsner malt a pound and a half of German Crystal 65, a pound and a half of Munich, a pound of Vienna, a half a pound of Melanoidin, and one <laughs> pound of dark candy sugar. Oh, so, what were you thinking? Uh, not much, apparently. I, I was going to say, you just said that you weren't, huh? Yeah, I mean, now, again, a number of these things make sense, right? You know, you can see a lot of German ingredients, which would make sense for a Swiss brewery. That's fine. A lot of different flavors because, again, Sammy Claus, at least Sammy Claus traditional or classic, is a brown beer. So a lot of things to try and add coloring, get you know, get a little bit more uh, heft to it. And then the the hopping was all noble hops. So Steering Goldings, Middle Through, Herzbrucker, yeah, you know, all low alpha acid type hops. And, you know, ended up needing a fair amount in order to get the basic IBU level that we wanted. So this was a beer that. I mean, it was a good beer. I'm not going to lie. It, it was a good beer, but it was always, it always felt to me to be a little, this is going to be ridiculous. Too much. Yeah, I was going to say a little, I think as the kids would say, and now of course the kids are going to stop saying it once I say this, a little extra. <laughs> and yeah, it was just, yeah, it was too much. And so we brewed this for a number of years doing yearly batches like one does by tradition. And it was sometimes a real pain to ferment. Uh, we eventually learned the trick of, hey, go make a, a a batch of like Bach or something ahead of time and then reuse that yeast cake. And by the way, reuse all of that yeast cake in order to get this thing to move. Uh, but before that, we had to do things like use uh, share yeast and other things to try and drive the, the gravity down. Um, by the way, the, the second that we figured out the yeast cake trick and just took a whole dang uh, yeast cake of Zurich lager and added that into the beer – 
the beer shot from 1140 to, I think it finished that one like at 1016. Wow. Yeah. That, that kind of overshot, wow. that, that, that overshot what I was thinking. Yeah. Now, this recipe was fine for the time, uh, in 2000. But like I said, it's got a lot of different things going on here. What it's got one, two, three, four, five malts, one big sugar addition, and three different types of hops in a beer that is not about the hops. Um, so unsurprisingly, I went and made changes. When I came back to this beer again in 2015 or so, uh, I started to make changes to it. And so the 2016 version, which I have on our website, <laughs> which I bill as a super uh, Doppelbach, um, <laughs> for that same five and a half gallons or five gallon size, shooting for an original gravity of about 1140, uses 13 and a quarter pounds of German Pilsner, 13 and a quarter pounds of Munich, is that Munich one or Munich two? A Munich one. Okay. Uh, and then two ounces of Carafa three uh, to give a little bit of color. And then the hopping profile, it went from those three hops to one big addition of Magnum and a little bit of middle fruit at five minutes just to kind of give a little something extra, right? Your mash schedule is different too. And I think much more sane. Starting that other mash at 124 degrees, you're kind of going – why? Why? Oh, well, because at the time when we were doing that, it was, oh, well, you know, this is a, a lager beer. We have to do a, a protein rest and all that sort of fun <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, you're right. The original mash was 124 for 30 minutes and then uh, up to 154 for 60 and then yada, yada, yada. Um, I, uh, yeah, the, the mash schedule here for this one for the newer version is just basically a single infusion mash at 150 and then mash out. Um, so again, falling much more in line with the, the sort of the philosophy that you and I've talked about many, many times. In fact, we wrote a whole dang book about it. Simple. Um, Simple. keep it, keeping things streamlined. And the, the reason I argue for the new recipe is because it's very clean, streamlined. It feels much more to me like what a, you would actually see at a commercial brewery. Right. Um, you don't have all these different flavors trying to compete for everything. Uh, you're not, you, you know, I know damn well you couldn't taste the Herzberger and the middle through and, and the steering buildings <laughs> in the original beer. I was, I was looking at that going, come on, you're going to tell me that people can determine the difference. Yeah. So in this particular case, I, and we all know I like Magnum as a bittering hop. And so Magnum is a nice, big, clean bittering hop. And again, not a lot, uh, three quarters of an ounce of each of these, you know, of, of Magnum and the middle through at like 60 and five. Um, and yeah, you know, but keeping the, the trick of the S189, keeping the trick of the Zurich longer. Um, but you can see again, much simpler recipe, you know, much cleaner profile. What I always feel like when I think back, and of course, I know Denny's going to say, well, you, you know, you can't unless you taste both side by side. No, I haven't gone rebrewed the old recipe, but I can tell you from my memories of the two. Right. Just from a taste memory perspective, looking at these, I can tell you that the newer version, this new recipe, the streamlined recipe, comes off as a lot cleaner. I can tell just by looking at the ingredient list, man. Yeah, it feels it, it feels more accurate. Um, yeah. and and the beer itself isn't as sticky. It's not as sweet. It the, it, the fermentation's not nearly as painful. <laughs> well, I I also noticed that uh, in the recipe it says that the estimated final gravity is ten twenty five, which is up about ten points from the other one, and much more 
in line with what it should be for an 1140 beer. Yep. And I get, well, again, that, that one beer that we had come down to about 1016, that was, um, Rocket aberrant. Fuel. <laughs> aberrant's the best way I can think to put that. Um, but yeah, I, this is, this is why I came, came around. I wanted to talk about that evolution to go from back in the day. What we were thinking about was, okay, well, you know, we got to have some German, we have to have German ingredients in here. And, uh, and, you know, I like Munich and Munich gives a good maltiness. And but I really like that toasty character of Vienna. And, oh, well, you know, we're not decocting this and this beer should be decocted, right? <laughs> yeah. So let's add that melanoid. And I can, I can walk <laughs> you through a lot of the decisions that we were talking about at the time. Oh, I can, I, you know, I remember making those decisions back then. Yeah. And then the dark candy sugar was because, well, it wanted a little extra color, not realizing dark candy sugar doesn't really give you that much color. That's right. But we also want sugar to, you know, allow us to dry the beer out in the back end. But again, all that extra junk in there isn't necessary. So that's why I, when I came back to redo the recipe, I kind of put my think like a professional brewer hat on for the moment and think about like what they would have and then think about what the flavors are that I wanted. And I, and the thing exactly. I liked. The thing I like in that, in that beer is that combination of the Pilsner malt and that Munich, you know, that kind of that, you know, toasty, bready, chewiness thing, uh, without the extra sort of, uh, spicy character of the Vienna. Yeah. Well, you know what, man? I just made, uh, an alt beer recently and the grain bill is uh, about two thirds Pilsner and one third Munich with uh, an ounce or so of midnight wheat for color. So this is like a classic, classic grain and flavor combination here. And you know, what you've done is just bumped it up to the next level. Uh, I don't think that's bumping it up. I think, th <laughs> I think that's strapping a rocket to its backside and, and lighting it <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think that the newer recipe makes much more sense and everything about it, uh, that you've explained is uh, a, a really good example of the way you should think about formulating a recipe. Uh, you know, my big thing is to, to use your taste imagination and kind of taste what every ingredient is going to bring to your beer. And if you don't know what that's going to do, leave it out. And that's just what you did. Mm -hmm. Well, and also, I mean, like, look at the, the difference here. You know, it's like a pound and a half of Munich versus, yeah, <laughs> versus 13 and a quarter pounds. Yeah, right. You know, there, you, and there's your flavor without the melanoidin or anything else. Yeah. And, and again, like looking at that, that original recipe, the Pilsner was so overpowered, you know, by sure. uh, or, or overpowering everything else, you know, like, because it was basically like, 20 and three quarters pounds of, of Pilsner. And what was that about three, four pounds, uh, four and a half pounds of, of other things. Right. And in this particular case, since Munich is, I think the other change I also had in my mind was feeling more comfortable with Munich as a base malt. Yeah. I, I remember when we first started, there was a, a big de um, debate about whether uh, Munich could be a base malt, uh, which is why my first all grain beer was an alt beer because my feeling was, of course it can be. And so that's why I made an alt beer to prove to myself that that was the case. Yep. And so here in the newer recipe, you get both the Pilsner malt, you get that graininess from it. But now the Munich is actually emphasized and it's actually the flavor component. Right. So Denny, question for you, given that you and I always take these things from different angles. Right. If you look at that uh, simplified recipe, is there anything that you would change on this? No, I brew that sucker just the way it is right now. Yeah, the only thing I keep thinking is maybe maybe up the magnum just a little bit and 
even possibly eliminate the Milford edition. But I kind of, I, I kind of like it. I think just from a tradition standpoint. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's going to be anything wrong with that late middle middle through edition. You might not really notice it, but you might notice it a little bit, or at least you'll know it's there. You know, um, I I think increasing the magnum just a hair might not be a bad thing. Getting up into the say maybe like the low thirties for IBUs or something, but. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I might also be more inclined to mash just a hair lower, but not more than a couple degrees. So that wouldn't really make a major difference. Uh, I, I might do a longer mash though. Uh, you know, you've got a 60 minute mash for, uh, beers that I want to see, you know, make sure that they're going to attenuate. Well, I'll do a longer mash. Yeah, I could see going like 90, for instance, with this. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, my my first instinct for a recipe like this uh, would be to go for uh, 90 minutes at 148. But, you know, who knows if that would really make much of a difference. Again, the reason why I wanted to bring these two recipes in front of you all again, because uh, like I said, we've talked about Falcon's clothes before, is one, not only to remind you, hey, you know, it's the time of year to go make those, uh, but also to talk about like why – why we make those changes. Again, the original recipe, the one that you find on the homebrewersassociation.org, it doesn't make a bad beer, but it makes a beer to me that tastes very much like a homebrew. And what I mean by that is not any sort of things about the fermentation characteristics or anything else. It's about sort of the exuberant lack of focus. Yes, <laughs> that's a great way to put it. Uh, a, a muddled flavor that comes from having too many ingredients in there and not really having a point to the beer. Yeah. And uh, as I talk about in the Brewing on the Ones talk, you know, uh, the beer tastes brown. You know, I mean, this is the ultimate example of a brown beer. The newer version with just those three malts and really one of them is just there for color just tastes more focused and it tastes more, more beer. It's, it's more purposeful, you know? The other one, you were kind of like flailing around, throwing stuff in because, oh, maybe this, maybe this. The new recipe shows that you have learned and you have learned that there's a, a point to the recipe and how to focus in on that point. And how to rein in your enthusiasm. <laughs> More is not always better. Sometimes it's just more. There you go. And now, of course, now that we've talked about this, it's going to be time for me to go make my own batch of uh, Falcon's Claws. Tomorrow I go to my homebrew shop and go pick up the Munich, go pick up the the Pilsner. I'm fairly certain. No, I do have the Magnum. I may have to get my hands on some S189. Uh, The interesting part in talking with Chip the other day is I guess they're working with uh, Imperial, and Imperial is giving them a giant slurry of what do they call it? Oh, Frosty. Uh, they, they, they call the strain Frosty, which is what, uh, White Labs calls Zurich Lager and what is Saf Lager S189. Uh, and so they're going to go use that in order to make their, their Sammy Claus beer. But I'll probably, I'll probably just stick with S189. You know what? And I would too if I was going to make this beer. Yeah. Well, cause the other thing is use multiple packets of it. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. No, no starters, no slurries. And uh, for those of you out there who have not used S189 yet, it is a fantastic yeast for making a lager that's on the maltier side. Uh, I've even used it for pills, and it works great for that, too. But for a for a dark lager that you are going to want to emphasize the malt, S189 is a great yeast. Yeah, it and it's, a, a unshockingly, a reliable and monster fermenter. 
Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Who would have guessed? Uh, the yeah. other thing I also think is when I do, when I use S189 in a beer like this, um, I also pick up a little bit of a hazelnut character. Hmm, interesting. And, and I don't know if it's, if it's an interaction between the malt and the yeast or what that is, but there's something that pops up that comes kind of hazelnutty, uh, which is not a bad thing. I never see it if I, if I use it in like a, a, a pills style beer, you know, like a, or a Maybach or something like that. I'd never see it there, but in these darker beers, I always get a little bit of a hazelnut thing. Interesting. So, yeah. I don't know. Hey, it works. So there you go. Brew a Falcon's Claws or Sammy Claws or a U Claws, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I would highly recommend as you do your searches out there, if you come across these recipes or you come across the sound of my voice telling you this, listen to this one thing. Please use the newer recipe. Yeah. And uh, to make sure that we'll put a link to it on the show site. Absolutely. It's right there at experimentalbrew.com. Falcon's Claws. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of The Brew Files. We hope that you enjoyed this look at two different takes on the idea of Sammy Claus. One old, one new. Run out, get your ingredients, and brew the newer recipe. You'll love it for next year's Christmas. Now, remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcast at experimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at Denny at experimentalbrew.com or Drew at experimentalbrew.com. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, and just about every homebrew form out there. And of course, you can always find us at www.experimentalbrew.com. Don't forget, you can support the podcast by leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts, click the AHA or BYO links on the website, and by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which for this part of the year is the National Disaster Search Dog Foundation. Until next time, remember the brew is out there, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files. Getting accurate measurements of your beer is one of the keys to improving your brewing. The Pro Series Hydrometers from Brewing America will help you help your beer. These American-made NIST traceable hydrometers are accurate, easy to read, and the kits come with a cleaning brush and cloth and a borosilicate test flask that uses half the sample size of most flasks. That means less beer for testing and more beer for you. Brewing America is a small, family-owned business of husband and wife veterans, so when you buy a Brewing America hydrometer, you're not only getting a great piece of equipment, you're supporting the people who support America. Brewing America hydrometers are available on Amazon or at www.brewingamerica.com.